deaden. D-E-A-D-E-N. Nothing personal word of the day for February 9th, 2021 is deaden. As an MLB is deadening the ball. Let's break it down. Let's talk about it. Here's how the situation unravels in Major League Baseball. There are all these committees with the owners. They've got the finance committee. They've got the strategic planning committee. They've got the international committee. They have the competition committee. They have the plain rules committee. It's a plethora of committees. The competition committee, which I was happy to serve on for all those years, is where you sit around four times a year at owners meetings back when they were in person. You get on the phone a couple times a year and you ponder all that ails the game. The strategic planning committee, which Jeffrey Laurie was on and I sat in on a couple of times, looks at the macro issues in baseball and thinks out long-term three to 10 years. It's like when you're asked that question, what do you want to be in five years and where? Um, I don't know, making more money, promoted. So that's the strategic planning committee. The international committee, of which I also sat, that is where you say, what country can we get more money from in broadcasting and maybe do a few clinics and a few off-season visits and get some more players from those countries to get good enough that maybe, maybe we can get a player from India or China. Please, please, God, where is Yao Ming? That's the International Committee. The Plain Rules Committee is a far more serious committee because they've got the weight of the rules on their shoulder. They get consulted by the Competition Committee because if the Competition Committee wants to make a change, it's got to be looked at, analyzed, approved by the Plain Rules Committee, who then goes back to the Competition Committee for a final recommendation to the Executive Council, which is another committee, and then it goes to a vote of all 30 owners. It's exhausting, isn't it? It's a miracle that anything actually gets done. What about the ball? Boy, I spent more time talking about balls during my 18 years. That is the number one topic. Balls, balls, balls. Are they deadened? Word of the day. Are they juiced? Are the seams less flat? Is the woven wool tighter or looser? How much mud do you put on your balls? Do you put your balls in a humidor? Where do you keep the humidor? How many balls are kept in the humidor? Then who puts the mud on the balls that are not on the humidor? Do you do it before the humidor or after the humidor? Do you do anything to practice balls or do you just put practice? We used to stamp our practice balls with practice. What do you think happens? You know, this wasn't the case early in my career. There'd be balls that would get reused. Now, if a ball touches the ground, the umpire or the catcher throws it away and they throw it away to the ball boy sitting next to the dugout, home dugout. And guess what? In the old days, the home dugout ball boy would take the balls and throw them in the stands, do whatever, shove them in his pants. Nope. Now we keep those, put a practice stamp on them and use those for BP. So MLB in all these committees, we spend time looking at stats. 
And Bud Selig started this and then Rob Manford continued it, the now commissioner and the former commissioner. Their line always was this. This is your game. Where do you want your game to go? We'd look at the front of the room at the incredible group of people in the commissioner's office. And we'd say, I think we want less offense because the more home runs that are hit, the more money that has to be paid to these hitters. And if you've got mediocre players hitting 25 home runs, all of a sudden before arbitration, they're going to be at $5 million instead of where they should be at one, eight, two, eight, maybe up to three, five. But fans like the offense, we were told. Okay, we don't. Next. What about all the stuff the pitchers are using to cheat? All of the jelly they keep and the pine tar they keep on their body, on their uniform, under their hat, in their jockstrap. I don't see anything. Do you see something? I see nothing. Nobody's doing that. Well, did you see? No, we didn't see. Let's get back to the balls, we'd say. Are these balls made by hand? Yes, they are. We're being accused that we've changed the balls. I know what we're going to do, we were told. We are going to commission a study. One of my favorite things on Nothing Personal is to tell you all the times that studies are commissioned. A report will be written. Investigations will be had. Independent investigations from people we're paying doing a document that we'll see, that we'll edit, that we'll get the last look at, and then tell you, the fan, that it's completely independent. Don't worry that we own the company that makes the balls. Don't worry that we pay for the people who do the studies on the balls. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Let me ask you a question. Ready? Close your eyes while you're listening. By the way, if you're listening, thank you. Download, subscribe, tell your friends. Don't discuss this in the middle of a segment, Samson. Let me ask you a question. If I tell you about the coefficient of restitution, what do you do? Do your eyes gloss over? Are your eyes rolling in the back of your head like you're about to faint? Like this? If you can't see me right now on YouTube, nothing personal with David Samson. My eyes are rolling in the back of that. I was never a good eye roller. Only when I'm actually about to faint. I almost fainted yesterday, actually. I think I was a panic attack that led to an almost faint. Have you ever had something where your body feels as though it needs to flight and you like flight where you need to leave and all of a sudden you start sweating and there's a little pebble that's going down the mountain and then that pebble becomes an avalanche and there's nothing you can do. You just curl your toes, drink some water and say to yourself that lions are not after you today. Anyway. That was yesterday. Coefficient of restitution. That is the relationship of the incoming speed of the pitch and the outgoing speed of the batted ball. That's important. If you change the coefficient of restitution, what you are doing is saying this ball will potentially be less bouncy, maybe more bouncy, and that could have an impact on the flight of the ball. Now, drag comes into this. We study drag all the time. We would get presentations about drag. You know, when I hear drag, I think two things. I think frat parties, as in taking a, I think races. I think that's all I think. 
There used to be an unfortunate expression called the drag queen that I learned with watching Little Shop of Horrors. I, don't, I didn't even know what that meant to dress in drag, a drag queen, drag racing, taking a drag. How about the drag on a ball? You know what's wrong when there's a drag on a ball? It's like the wind in coming in at Wrigley. When the wind is blowing in at Wrigley, you can hit the ball a mile and it goes a foot. When the wind's blowing out at Wrigley, you can tap a ball and it's going to be a home run. I don't care what the coefficient of restitution is. I don't care how much mud is on the ball. I don't care that your team has a humidor. I know that someone who cannot hit home runs in bulk can hit them in bulk with the wind blowing out at Wrigley. We studied that at Marlins Park. Should we open the roof, close the roof? What about the operable wall and the outfield wall? What if we get the roof open and the wall closed? What about the wall open and the roof closed? What about both open? What about both closed? We did a study when we were arguing with our players about them wanting the walls moved in. They were so despondent when balls would fly to center field and die in center field right in the glove. Of course, they wouldn't be pissed when we got the last out of a win because an opponent hit a ball that got caught in center field instead of a walk-off home run off one of our pitchers. So the players got upset <clears throat> and we gave in. Giving in means we moved in the walls. The number of conversations I had with Christian Yelich and Giancarlo Stanton about the walls at Marlins Park would knock your socks off. We promised them, all right, we're going to lower the walls and we're going to make it, Giancarlo, so you can make these amazing over-the-wall catches because we're going to lower the walls and bring them in. And Yelly, we're going to do the same. So I need you to jump up and jump into the Clevelander, fall into the pool, and catch a ball. None of that happened. You know how many home runs were hit? We studied every fly ball, every one of them after we moved the walls. The number of balls impacted that would have been home runs that were caught that now were home runs because we moved the field in. Do you know what advantage we had? Zero. We gave up as many home runs as we hit. You could say that's because we had a bad position player team, but we didn't. It was our pitching that hurt us. What we gave, we got. So that wasn't a good plan. So why is MLB deadening the ball and then coming out with this amazingly scientific explanation that what happened in Korea when they deadened the ball and home runs plummeted, that's not going to happen. They had a scientist come out and give some comments. The reality is we're told and we read, it'll be like adding five feet of outfield walls to every wall in the big leagues. Well, as someone who's added five feet, taken away five feet, I can tell you it is unlikely to make as big a difference as people are concerned about. But the reason for deadening the ball is money. Because we would sit in the competition committee and we would say, well, we don't want more offense because we have to pay because of the way arbitration is and free agency is, there is no doubt that people enjoy 10-8 games better than they enjoy 2-0 games. We don't. We're old. We're white. We're the demographic of baseball that's dying out. We like the pitcher's duels. There's tension. I spent my entire career trying to talk about pace of action, not pace of play trying to make the games not just shorter, but more exciting, more action. And more and more every year, there are three true outcomes. Home run, strikeout, and walk. And the question asked of us, is that the baseball you want? 
My answer was an unequivocal no. That's why I like a man on second and extra innings. That's why I like gap hitters. That's why I like putting the game in motion by doing hit and runs. But with the ball as it was and with launch angle and with the way we pay players and players not being penalized for strikeouts and getting rewarded for home runs, we created the monster. We are zero Mostel. Or is it Gene Wilder? I'm thinking of young Frankenstein, but I'm trying to remember who created who. I want to say Zero Mustel was the doctor, but it could have been Gene Wilder. The answer is I don't remember. We created the world in which we live and the game in which you watch. So when you read articles and listen to pundits talk about the deadening of the ball, just know this. It's not going to matter. However, I will say this. There's a mental side. So my wait to see, when we do a wait to see, we tell you something that's going to happen. If it happens, we're going to revisit it. We are not one of those shows. We are not one where we give you a hot take and then we say, ah, forget about it. I was wrong. I don't think about it. No, I take responsibility when I'm wrong. There will be fewer home runs hit in 2021 than were hit in 2020. I'm just kidding. Of course, there'll be more home runs in 21 than we're hitting 20 because we're going to play 162, not 60. So here's the wait to see. There will be more home runs that will have been hit in 2019 than will be hit in 2021. Home runs will go down. But since we're talking about 20 to 21, we're going to have to go to home run rate. The home run rate is the number of home runs. I'm making up this stat because I'm going to do the stat and I'm going to follow up on the way to see the rate of home runs hit per game. Per game will decrease from 2020 to 2021. You just wait to see. And the reason I know we're going to have baseball, even though I have a way to see that I said spring training will be delayed and it looks like I'm wrong hard for me to believe they couldn't come to agreement on that. I had to wait to see the universal DH is going to happen in 2021. So far, I'm wrong. I'm not taking the loss until opening day. But there was a big agreement. Stop the presses. Breaking news. Get on the air. MLB has agreement on health protocols for 2021. And they have agreed to continue the seven inning doubleheader and the extra inning rule man on second to start the 10th inning. Now, What's new in the protocols? We got to mention it because it's too good to be true. They are telling players, wait for it, that they've got to wear those sensors. You know the sensors like the NBA players wear? They are saying the ML players must wear their sensors at the ballpark when they're doing club activities. I must have read it wrong. Coca. Did I get this wrong? Are they saying wear sensors, which help for contact tracing, but only when you're doing club activities? Is that because when you're not doing club activities, we don't care what you do, although we've got 25 rules, which I'm going to go over, but we don't care about the contact tracing of anyone except other players and other staff. Is it too hard to wear the sensor always? Is it because you do not want as a player for anyone to know in or out of your family, what you're doing when you're not at the ballpark, when you're not doing a club activity, who you're with. That's exactly why. 
there was never going to be an agreement between the players union and the owners that they'd have to, that players would have to wear sensors at all times. They don't want to be tracked. Trust me. 18 years around players, they do not want to be tracked. Nothing good happens from tracking players. Therefore, don't give me the at David P. Sampson on Twitter. That baseball doesn't care about the contact tracing issues that could result from a positive test of a player from people that player was with outside of club activities in the ballpark. I'm not saying they don't care. I'm saying the players union said, eh, not going to happen. Every other day testing. No problem. We're all used to that. Lift your nose, put the Q-tip in, three in the nose, three in the other nose. 20 minutes later, an hour later, or a week later, depending on where you are in the economic chain, you get a result. All right. What about indoor gatherings? Can't have 10 or more people. Indoor restaurants? No, thank you. Bars, lounges, clubs, or like establishments? Why can't they just be honest? Bar, lounges, clubs, or strip clubs? But they have to say like establishments. Here's the bad one. Gaming and other venues, including bowling alleys, whatever. Arcades, we're not in Japan. Casinos, rut row, and pool halls. How many players go to the casinos, whether it's in St. Louis, whether it's in Milwaukee, wherever there's casinos now, they're everywhere. No casinos. Okay, we'll see about that. So MLB puts together these protocols and people are saying to themselves on Twitter, I don't like the seven inning double headers. I don't like the extra innings rule. And I don't like the loss of liberty that these players are now experiencing. Well, here's my view on that. Loss of liberty. Is it a loss of liberty when you're told that you have to be at your job from nine to five with an hour off for lunch? Do you have no liberty because you can't leave? You have to do your job. Is it a loss of liberty when you're told, hey, you've got an appointment to go to. You can choose not to go to the appointment, but there's a consequence for missing the appointment. You didn't lose your liberty. The players absolutely do not have to follow the guidelines, but then they're subject to major discipline, major. Are you ready for this? If you don't wear your mask in the bullpen, not if you're warming up, if you don't wear your bull mask in the dugout and wear it correctly over the nose and mouth, how is it that people don't know how to wear a mask? It's been a year. The mask goes over the nose, over the mouth. This is not brain surgery. Do you know what happens when there's a violation? A written note to the player. Notice the violation. I have delivered so many written notices of uniform violations, other such violations. You put it in the locker of the player. They look at it. They rip it up. They don't read it. Then they do it again. Then you get a second notice. If you're in violation again, this is when it gets serious. It gets in a letter. You put it on the chair in there in the locker in the clubhouse. They look at the letter. They rip it up. They laugh. They move on. But wait a minute. We're not screwing around. This is COVID. Third violation. The letter says you are now in violation of mask wearing for a third time. You're now in violation of uniform for a third time. You are hereby fined. Close your eyes and dream of a fine that would drive you to change your behavior because that's the fine. One hundred and fifty 
Dallas. $150. Coca, let me just ask you a question. Just off the top of your head, we're going to do a little math. $150. Let's just say the average salary is $4 million. Okay. Let's say you're making $4 million. $150. That is, oh God. Times, let's say you're making $60,000. It's a $2 fine. Okay, so here's what happens. I'm not sure my math is right on that, but I think it may be. Here's what happens. The player gets the letter. They get the fine. They go right to the traveling secretary. And they say to the traveling secretary, when you give me my per diem for this road trip, Keep a day. That's my fine. By the way, I've got a better idea. I'll wear the mask however the hell I want it. Here's 10 grand in cash. Don't bother me again. The fines are meaningless. The players don't care. But the union's not strong. Don't worry. It's not a strong union at all. Nope. Those are the new protocols. Deal with them, folks. Get ready. It's not really good for figuring out who the face of baseball is. Our friend from CBS Sports HQ, Will Middlebrooks, is doing some sort of poll on Twitter. He's a funny follow on Twitter, though I have no idea how Will Middlebrooks has 2 million followers, and I don't. I think I'm just as creative as he is. In any case, Will Middlebrooks is trying to say, who's the face of baseball? I'd like to know. Who do you think is the face of baseball? I was talking about this with Coca before the show. Coca, this is not in the show, but I just want to ask. If you were asked to pick between, they're right in front of you, not in uniform. They're just standing in front of you. Aaron Judge and Mike Trout, who do you recognize? I said Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts, who do you recognize? I said Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge and Fernando Tatis Jr., who do you see? Who do you pick? Who do you recognize? Well, Tatis is on the cover of MLB The Show. That's going to help. I'm still going to go Aaron Judge. Does that mean Aaron Judge is the face of baseball? People think Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. He should be the face of baseball. People can't pick Mike Trout out of a lineup. Now, of course, everyone's wearing masks. No one recognizes anybody. Anyway, I'm moving on to Shohei Otani. Do you know who Shohei Otani is? How much time I've spent discussing Shohei Otani on CBS Sports HQ and on Nothing Personal? Shohei Otani came to the Angels of Anaheim with a lot of fanfare. And here was the fanfare. This guy was going to be a number one starter and a middle of the lineup hitter, a unicorn. I said, not going to happen. There are no such thing as a quality two-way player. It doesn't exist. Baseball is too damn hard. It's hard to hit. It's hard to pitch. There is no one in this world who can be a number one starter in the middle of the lineup hitter. Not going to happen. You're wrong, David. Let's bid for Shohei Otani. We can't afford him. There's no chance. Turns out Shohei Otani went to the Angels for a very small amount of money. And the industry knew immediately that Shohei Otani had been promised a long-term deal by the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. The commissioner at the time, I think was Rob. It was definitely Rob. He sent out a memo to all of us saying, before Otani signed with the Angels, saying, dear presidents, GMs, and owners. If you cut a deal with Mr. Otani, 
that includes a long-term deal that promises him more money than you are allowed to give him under the international slotting rules and the rules of signing players out of Japan, then you will be subject to major discipline. Everyone was shaking in their boots. Oh my God, what will that discipline be? Do you think it'll ever come out that when we met with Otani and his agent, we said to him, listen, we can only sign you for X, but trust me, we're giving you Y. Oh, you want a side note? I don't think I could put it on paper, but trust me, trust me when I tell you, I'm a lawyer. If I say it orally, it's a contract. I'm laughing because that's not a contract in the law, in the contract law. Thank you, Professor John Hanks, my contract law professor at Cardozo. Next, we all said to ourselves, of course, whoever signs Otani is going to promise him money because why else is he going to come to baseball in the United States? So Otani comes to the Angels. No doubt he was promised something. All of a sudden, he's hurt, and then hurt, and then Tommy John. And then he comes back, and he DHs but doesn't pitch because he started to pitch after Tommy John, pitched like two innings, got absolutely shelled, and then had some sort of flex or something, which, as you know from nothing personal, is not good at all. And he's eligible for arbitration. He files a $3.3 million dollars. The Angels counter at $2.5 million. The Angels are a file and trial team. That means when you exchange numbers with the player, there is no more negotiating. You are going to arbitration. They recognized, however, there's a caveat with that rule with file the trial, and we have the same caveat. If you sign the player to a multi-year deal, you may do that. You just can't do a one-year settlement, but if you do a multi-year deal, then you're not violating the file and trial rule that you have. Mike Dunn, if you're listening to this, we were in the lobby in Tampa. We were about, we were at the uh, hotel in St. Petersburg called the, I want to say it's the, the Renaissance Hotel, but I can't remember. It's the one that has ghosts in it. I can't believe I'm not thinking of the team hotel in St. Petersburg. It's right on the water, beautiful running routes. And we'd have players who wanted to stay in certain towers because of the ghosts there. In any case. We're doing arbitration, which would switch off two years in Tampa, one year in Phoenix, go back and forth. I'm sitting there with uh, Mike Hill, and uh, we cut a deal with Mike Dunn right then and there, a multi-year deal. So Otani, uh, the Renaissance Vinoy, thank you, Coca. It's exactly what it is. So Otani is about to go to arbitration. The arbitration case for Shohei Otani is a very difficult case because he does pitch, he does hit. Where exactly does he fit? He's got injury, lack of performance. My guess is he would have uh, would have been a club victory because two five is not nothing when he doesn't have any sort of career bulk. And it's a little higher than I think he should have gotten if he weren't, quote unquote, something as far as a two way player goes. The Angels announced we have signed Shohei Otani to a two year deal, not the type of multi year deal that he would have been expecting when he signed with the Angels, that there may have been a wink, wink on wink, 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 wink. Three million dollars this year, which is above the midpoint. When you file for 2533, the midpoint is 29. So that is a victory for the players. The second year of 5.5. Everyone's all excited. Otani has a two-year deal. No more stress. He can now focus. Let me tell you some quotes here. They have a new GM who has this much experience. A sprinkled donut. Not the whole, the actual donut. That's his experience. 
as running a team. He said, I think with the one-year deal, we just ran out of time because it was a unique case. You don't run out of time. We knew, it's just a lie. We knew which players were going to arbitration in advance. You get a list in your mind. I carry it around with me. What is the service time of a player? Oh man, we've got Otani arbitration. We start preparing the arbitration case for our players during the season. There's not a lot of examples of players like him. We had unique players all the time. But, he continued, we further discussed it and talked about a multi-year deal, and we felt like this number lined up over a two-year deal. There's risk and reward to both sides, and it made sense for us, obviously, and made sense for them. I'm ecstatic we were able to get a deal done. Okay. What about his agent? Here's Otani's agent response. I think the biggest decision moving forward on this two-year deal was to create comfort on both sides. Here's a little side note. No agent and no... <coughs> Excuse me. That was a Canese. No agent and no GM cares one bit about creating comfort on both sides. That's not the agent's job, but that's the quote of the agent. We want the player to feel comfortable. It's not always about the money. It's not always about the deal. It's to create comfort for him to go out and perform the way we know he can. And I think that was really an important component to us getting something done. Cue the music. Uh, uh, mm, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, that's my Oscar-winning score right there. To that quote by that agent. I've never once in 18 years heard an agent say to me, I want comfort. Give me the comfort. Show me comfort. I've got a player. And you know what my player wants? My player wants comfort. Oh, I, I love your offer. I'm taking your offer. Do you know why? I'll tell you why. It's very simple. Because... It's not always about the money with my player. It's just about the comfort. I need to make sure he's got a very nice padded chair. I want to make sure he knows how to get to the ballpark, what the route is. I'd like to see a list of team hotels. I need to know the type of bed in the team hotel because my player needs comfort. Do you realize how ridiculous that is? The reason Otani took that deal is because if he had taken a one-year deal in arbitration and lost, he had been at 2-5. For him to get from 2-5 to 5-5, which is more than a double of his salary, 2-5 double is 5. 2-5 to 5-5 for Otani would mean, oh my God, he'd have to perform. <gasps> no, don't make me perform. Give me guaranteed money. I want to be comfortable. Okay, I got to review a movie. We got to take a break, but you're going to come back. And here's what's going to happen after we come back. We're going to review a movie, and then we're going to talk about a player doing something that I have never seen, an apology, an actual Trevor Bauer apology. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, 
but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramps business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramps software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. This is David Sampson. You've made it through the gauntlet, and I appreciate you doing that. I do appreciate all the downloading and subscribing and telling your friends. I love doing this. Coca loves doing this. We have a great routine every day, giving you 45 minutes. And I, again, reiterate, thank you for allocating 45 minutes of the one commodity that you cannot get more of to us. And we will try every day to entertain you, educate you, talk about topics that are interesting or exciting to me, to Coca, to you, give you another perspective to think about. We'll be funny sometimes, we'll be serious sometimes, and we will always try to know the difference. I watched a movie and I don't know the algorithm of Netflix. I don't know it. You may like this because you watch that. I guess Netflix has learned that I like showing emotion through movies sort of my best way to do it. And there was a movie that I thought was new with Paul Rudd, and I love Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, by the way, here comes a Paul Rudd flex, had a hilarious time with him in Kansas City during the World Series. He's a huge Royals fan. He is normal, funny, engaging. He's just exactly what you'd want Paul Rudd to be. I'm not sure how good an actor he is, because that's Paul Rudd. Now, isn't acting when you are someone you're not on screen? I don't know. I just know Paul Rudd is this really cool guy. And whatever movie he's in, I'm going to watch. So it was called The Fundamentals of Caring. Didn't know anything about it. Paul Rudd, Selena Gomez, and Craig Roberts. Didn't read a review. Didn't watch the preview. Didn't notice it's from 2016. Missed it. Watch the entire movie. It's about a caregiver. Paul Rudd goes to school because he's newly divorced and he wants to change his life. He has suffered. And so he wants to become a full-time caregiver. When you're a caregiver, you have to follow the rules of Aloha. Ask, listen, observe, help, ask again. 
in there, it doesn't say there's no C. Like there's no I in team. There's no C in Aloha. There's a lay, but not a C. Ask, listen, observe, help, ask again. Well, this movie is about the fact. By the way, Coca, did I say the movie's called The Fundamentals of Caring? I believe it's called The Fundamentals of Caregiving. Let's start with that. Secondly, the fundamentals of caregiving are aloha, and there's no caring in the caregiving. And it is just caring. All right, ready, Coca? 69, 96, 69. We review a movie every day on Nothing Personal. Today, we're reviewing The Fundamentals of Caring, a movie with Paul Rudd, Craig Roberts, and Selena Gomez. Didn't watch the trailer, didn't know anything about it. Paul Rudd cares for a child in a wheelchair. He's 17 years old. He has spent his life in the wheelchair suffering from a disease, something related to muscular dystrophy, but with a different name. And he has not seen the world. He has not had any experience. He lives everything through TV. And Paul Rudd says, I have an idea. Let's take a road trip. This is a road trip movie. This is a buddy movie. This is a movie about caring where the fundamentals of caregiving say don't care and Paul Rudd's character says, I do care. Selena Gomez is a teenage runaway who joins the party and it becomes an amazingly interesting movie. The fundamentals of caregiving. I ask you to watch it because I want you to give Paul Rudd the love that he deserves for entertaining you as much as he has throughout his career. Thank you, Paul. By the way, did you get the name of the movie? Do I need to say it again? It's the fundamentals of caring. How in the hell did we lose our pick of the day, Coca? When you're up 13, giving eight and a half at the end of the game, and all of a sudden you, the other team goes on a 12-4 running garbage time, God damn it. We're down to 16 and 15. That was a bad beat. The Mavs beat the Timberwolves, but only by five and not nine. They were up by 20 at the half. It was a slam dunk. Just goes to show you. That's why we're 16 and 15. Because the 15 times that were slam dunks ended up being losses. What game am I watching tonight? I'm watching the Jazz Celtics. The reason I'm watching the Jazz Celtics is because I want to watch the best team in basketball against the team in the East who thinks that they have a chance to get by Milwaukee. Jazz are giving five and a half to the Celtics who are in the middle of a long road trip. I like it. Do you know what's pretty cool about the Utah Jazz having the best record? Is so many people in Utah have Stockton to Malone. Stockton to Malone is what they associate with the Jazz. And the Jazz have finally gotten back. And now they've got Mitchell to Gobert. <laughs> Doesn't have quite the ring, does it? Jazz, five and a half. And you know, by the way, Malone and Stockton, no, they're not friends anymore. They were never friends. They didn't really get along. They did get along. Didn't matter. They played together as one. On the basketball court, they were poetry. Remember that uh, segment we did <clears throat> during the offseason, Rudy Gobert? By the way, Rudy Gobert is the guy who spit into the mic the day before and then got COVID after spitting to the mic saying, don't be ridiculous, everything's fine. And then he tested positive on March 11th and the sports world shut down. There used to be BC and AD in my life. Now it's BC and AG. Before COVID and after Gobert. That's how my life is sort of split. Jazz, 
five and a half over the Celtics. For those of you who took the Mavs last night, you're suffering with me. I feel your pain. Believe me. What a bunch of horse crap. All right, Trevor Bauer, what do you got for me today? Trevor Bauer is something for me every day. What's amazing about Trevor Bauer? I want to talk to Samson. I wasn't even going to read it as a question, Coca. But okay, you're right. It's a topic we do, and it was a question, and I totally lost my place in the rundown. I'm sorry. Hey, Coca, someone had a question about Trevor Bauer. What was it? You know what I want. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Thank you, Coca. So you want to talk to Samson? Get on my Twitter, Instagram, David P. Samson, D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-S-O-N, not D-A-V-I-D-P-S-A-M-P-S-O-N. You know, people hashtagged, so I want to talk to Samson. It's S-A-M-S-O-N. There is no P. F-T-L-O-G. Have you ever seen or heard of a player apologizing to a team he chose not to sign with? That was the question asked of me in my DMs on Twitter at David P. Samson. I just went right to the answer. Trevor Bauer, thank you. I really do appreciate you, Trevor. I really do. How could you not? He's like the Jerry Jones of baseball. The Daniel Snyder of baseball. A content machine. Here's what Trevor Bauer did. Do you remember when Bob Nightingale of the USA Today the man of hundreds of thousands of Twitter followers, maybe more. Bauer to the Mets. Hurry up, get dressed, David. You're going on HQ. Bauer to the Mets. Wait, no, not, not yet. Sources tell me Bauer to the Mets. Is he going to the Mets? All of a sudden, there is a live link where you can buy Mets stuff and Bauer is selling Mets stuff. Bauer's the guy who's trying to have this presence on social media, he does podcasts, does YouTube videos and all sorts of great content. My issue with Bauer is what he does on the field, much more so than what he does off the field. Him as a teammate, him as a pitcher, he is not worthy of the contract that he's getting from the Mets. Rumor is the Mets were offering him about $105 million, a bunch of opt-outs. 20 minutes later, eh, change course. A YouTube video is posted by Trevor Bauer as though he's James Earl Jones narrating what the beauty is of baseball. And it ends with him saying how happy he is and excited he is to be a Dodger. Okay. You're going to the Dodgers. Thank you, Trevor. Now, why are you going to the Dodgers? We'll get to that in a minute. Why are you apologizing to Mets fans in a lengthy post? He was apologizing because what he did was, this is what he claimed, and what an absolute crock of crap. He claimed that he made a bunch of videos for a bunch of teams because he had no idea who he was going to go to, and he wanted to make sure he was ready. I got to be ready because I'm going to release where I'm going, and I want to start selling stuff, and I want everyone to know it's coming from me, not a source. And someone who works for me by accident made that video and link live. 
So the live link gets released. Mets fans think they're getting him. And then all of a sudden he's a Dodger. And he says, I can't wait to come to City Field this year and play in front of you. Whatever reaction you give me, just know how much I love you, how much I care about you, and how sorry I am that I'm a Dodger. Here's my thought on that. Are you really sorry, Trevor? Tell me why you chose L.A. over New York. Was it because L.A. offered you $40 million in year one and $45 million in year two so you can say that you're making the most money in a season that any player's ever made? Is it true that the Mets offered the same type of money or was a little bit of it deferred? Or even worse, was it below 36, but over the three years, it would have been 105 versus 102? You did the tax calculation of California and New York. You said, ah, it's a bit of a wash. I'm not going to apologize to the Cincinnati Reds fans or the Cleveland Indians fans, just to the Mets fans because that link went live. But of course, I was going to go to the Dodgers because it's closer to my hometown. It's where I'm from. I want to be home. I want to be comfortable. I'm way more comfortable on the 405 than I am on the 495. No, it wasn't comfort. It was a very simple equation. He made a commitment that through hell or high water, I will make sure that Samson's wait to see on nothing personal, that he will not get the AAV higher than Cole. I am going to make sure that he's wrong, except he forgot one thing, what the Dodgers did by making him at 40 and 45. They made the third year. Yes, at 17. When you average out 102 over three years, you do not get to 36 million. Yes, you do. 36 times two is 72. 72 plus 36 is what? 108. Hmm. 36, 72, 108. The Dodgers are 40 and 45, which is 85, plus 17 is 102. 108, 102. Huh. I think I win. It hasn't even been announced yet because I don't think there's been a physical. So my answer to your question is I've never seen a player apologize for choosing the money. I've never seen a player acknowledge, yeah, I did it just for the money. We actually had Andrew McCutcheon one time when he signed with the Phillies, the contract that is still burning them right now. Andrew McCutcheon actually said, of course I signed with the Phillies. They offered me the most money and I congratulated him on nothing personal on CBS Sports HQ because I don't remember whether we had nothing personal when Andrew McCutcheon signed with the Phillies. What I do know is that we will never one time hear Trevor Bauer say what I want him to say. Of course I was going to the Dodgers. It's just business Mets fans. It's nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.